0: Hey, we're so happy you found us online. The message you're about to hear was recorded live at Grace Family Church. We're a community following the call to love God, love people, and make a difference. We meet at four locations around Durban and at graceonline.tv. Go ahead and share this message, or you can download it and listen to it in your car or at home later today. Wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening from, thank you for connecting with us, and may you be encouraged by the message coming up next. Hey sweetie. So we need to talk about your grades, young lady. Oh really? You do need math in the real world. Am I having this conversation with you? Excuse me. Who are you talking to? Not another word. Don't you dare. Don't. So there we go. We are in the second part of the series, Me and My Big Mouth. Uh, This is not a series about you and your big mouth or them and their big mouth. This is about me and my big mouth. You with me? So I'm going to start by asking you a question, and this is particularly aimed at the men in the room. Uh, Guys, have you ever asked a woman when she is due, and she was not? I think the average guy asks this question on average just once. Unfortunately, I am above average, so <laughs> I've done it more than once, and I've done worse than that. I mean, that's the problem with words. Hey, once they're out, they're out, right? I mean, I, this is literally a true story. Last year, exactly this time, one year ago, I was sitting in the Global Leadership Summit, and I was sitting next to a woman who I know quite well, and um, I was asking them about, I knew she was in a relationship, I said, hey, um, so are you and, and, and your partner, are you guys married yet? And she said, Yeah, we are married. You did our wedding. <laughs> literally, literally. Pastor Tom, go, Pastor Tom. <laughs> Words, me and my big mouth, right? And if you weren't here last week, you really want to catch up on this series. You, you, if you missed the first week, you really want to get it. Uh, you can download our Grace Family Church app on your phone. Uh, you can go onto our website. You can go onto our YouTube channel. Um, all of our messages go up there every week, and they stay up there forever, so you can go back and catch up. And if you want to share it, you can share the content. Uh, if, you want to, if you have a friend who has a big mouth, they uh, uh, might want to hear it, or they might need the whole series. So just send them uh, that. Um, but last week, the main takeaway... It uh, comes from the book of James, where James, the brother of Jesus, says these words, quick to listen, slow to speak. You remember, those of you are here, quick to listen, slow to speak. Let's say it together, quick to listen, slow to speak. Great. Now, we even had little hand movements last time, remember? And maybe you've been practicing those hand movements all week. I know I have, okay? Ready? We're going to do it together. You Ready? Remember? Quick to listen, slow to speak. One more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak. It's like jazz hands from up here. It looks pretty cool. Um, Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, why do we do this? Why did I ask you to do that? Well, because uh, you and I know, we may not know this, but when we start getting into an argument, when things start to get heated, when we're having a difficult conversation, what tends to happen is our bodies tend to do this. Our fists tend to close. And when our, our fists close, then what happens is our minds start to close. Our ears start to close. We start to kind of shut down. And the, and the reality is when you're having that kind of conversation, the reality is both parties want the same thing most of the time. The person that you're arguing with wants the same thing that you want. And that is you want to be heard. And more than heard, you want to be understood. Heard and understood. In fact, it's been said that human beings, we we don't have an innate need to have our way. We just have an innate need to have our way considered and heard. And so so picking up from kind of where we left off last week, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak. This is what I want to say. The words we speak are powerful things. Our words are extraordinarily powerful. Words can tear down or words can build up. Words can bring death or words can bring life. Pearl Strucken says this, I love this quote. Handle them carefully for words have more power than atom bombs. I mean, isn't that true? In fact, your life, my life, all of our lives have been shaped by the words that have been spoken to us, by the words that have been spoken over us, and by the words that have been spoken about us. Words are powerful. Words have shaped our childhood experiences. Words are shaping your relationships, your most intimate relationship, your marriage right now. Words impact our self-confidence, who we see in the mirror. People with no confidence have gained incredible confidence by by words that have been spoken to them. And likewise, people with incredible confidence have lost that confidence because of words spoken about them or to them or over them. And the thing that makes this so fascinating and so difficult and so challenging really is that the words that we receive and the words that we speak, they're not really equally weighted, are they? I mean, words are not equally weighted. How many more positives does it take to counter a negative? The science would tell you that it says that we need five positive words for every one negative. Five to one. I would say it might even be more than that depending on how bad the negative one was, right? I mean, words Words are not equally weighted. I mean, we, we never forget or we rarely forget hurtful words. Hurtful words just kind of stick in our hearts. They get lodged like a splinter in our minds. I mean, we can have we can have so many good words spoken to us, but we, we 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 forget quite easily. But the hard the the hurtful words they stick. As a preacher, I'm so aware of this because I can have people come up to me afterwards and say, "Wow, that was such a great message, and that really inspired me," and and wow, you know, all this stuff. And 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 I kind of won't always remember those, you know. But then there's it's just the one email. It's just the. It's just the one remark, it's just the one criticism, that kind of somehow, that's the thing I lose the sleep over, right? That's the thing that, that, that unsettles me, that worries me. Hurtful words, sarcastic words, these things, they stick with us, because words are not equally weighted. Words, not, not only are they not equally weighted, but the source of those words isn't equally weighted. From the place from which the words come from, the source is not equally weighted. And I've experienced this too in, in work recently because because uh, the, the, the crazy thing is that that I've lately become the boss around here. And that's kind of strange to me because you know it doesn't feel any different for me. I don't I didn't I definitely didn't get any wiser from the one day to the next, but somehow my title changed. When it changed from i from Riverside Campus Pastor to i Campus Pastor to Co-Senior Pastor, what I found is that something changed. And suddenly my words carried more weight around here in the staff I'm talking about. And so I'll say things like, oh, you know, that song on Sunday, I don't really like that song. And I'm probably just grumpy on Monday, you know what I mean? I mean, Monday, I don't even know if I'm a Christian on Monday. Monday, I'm just... <laughs> And I just say a comment like that, and then, and, then, and then next thing I know, that song's been scrapped from the Grace Family Church archives. You know what I mean? Because my words carry more weight around here. Now, in the context of my home, my wife's words weigh way more. <laughs> okay? I mean, that's, that's, that's as it should be. In the context of parenting, moms, your words weigh a lot. They weigh way more. And dads, for some reason... Your words weigh the most, so often. I don't know why that is. I don't know if that'll change or if that's just an old school way of thinking, but I still think, Dads, your words weigh the most. And I've seen this so often. I'll speak to people and they'll share with me and they'll say, you know, I just feel so unworthy. I feel so unloved, I, 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 I feel ashamed, and I'll say, wow, you know, God is, look what God has been doing in your life, and you've come so far, and, and, and I'm amazed, and, and I'm so proud of you, such a good person, and, and they'll say, thanks, Tom, you know, I, I just wish my dad would tell me that, thanks, Tom, I mean, thanks, Pastor Tom, but your words don't weigh as much as my dad's, I would love to hear him say what you just said, because his words weigh the most. And so words are not equally weighted, the source is not e- equally weighted, and then perhaps the most overlooked part of this whole dynamic is that the recovery time isn't the same either. The recovery time. I mean, I mean, you could say a, a hurtful word hurts immediately. Yes? I mean, it stings right there right then, but recovery takes time. In fact, no amount of words to the contrary create immediate healing or recovery right there, right? I mean, that's why this whole idea of, well, I said I'm sorry. I said I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. Why can't it just be back the way it was? (laughs) That's the implication. Well, you know, I know I did some things wrong. I know I said some things that hurt you. I know your feelings got hurt. But hey, I said I'm sorry. Why can't it just be back the way it was before? It doesn't work that way. If you slam someone's finger in the door, you can say sorry as much as you want. You still have to go to the, you still have to fix your finger. (laughs) Recovery takes time. I'm figuring that out about my ankle. When I rolled, my ankle it was instant. The hurt was immediate, but the recovery takes time. Words are not equally weighted. Even the way we say sorry is important, and it's different. I mean, um, have you heard of the five love languages? It's a great book, Gary Chapman. Uh, it's a great for all relationships. But the, he came up with another one. I don't know if he's just trying to sell more books. But he, he he came up with an apology languages, which I thought was fascinating. And my wife and I very quickly realized not only do we have different love languages, we have different apology languages. You see, my apology language is I, I, when she says sorry, I want her to say sorry. I won't do it again. Like I need some commitment that this she's going to try change something. Okay. That's not important for her. What's important for her, when when I've done something wrong and I have to say sorry, she wants me to say, I'm sorry, and then describe why I'm sorry, (laughs) usually in great detail. She needs me to understand that I know why I am, anyway. So, apology languages. The point is, it's not equally, words are not equally weighted. Our words hurt, and more words don't immediately make things better. They're not equally weighted. That's why last week's message is so, so important because words are powerful. In fact, they're the most powerful thing that we have. We can do more damage with our words than any other part of our bodies. Think about that. I mean, I can can destroy a person with words and not even be in the same room as that person. Isn't that incredible? The power of words. And that's why we, as followers of Christ, must follow Christ's example and be quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, James, who we started with last week, James, who grew up with Jesus as his older brother. I mean, that still boggles my mind. What what must that have been like, Jesus as your brother? Why can't you be more like your brother, (laughs) you know? James, who, who initially thought his brother was crazy, James, who at some point has this turnaround and realizes his brother is in fact Lord and Savior, the Messiah, the one promised in the Scriptures. And who James, who becomes the leader of the first century church, in fact, who goes to his death declaring Jesus as Lord. He's stoned for his faith. So, so James, he writes this letter to the first century Christians and he tells us, In James 1 last week, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But James is not done. James goes on and he writes in James chapter 3, he he begins to unpack this in great detail about the power of the tongue. And that's what we're going to look at today. And, And let me just say, your greatest regret relationally might have been avoided if you could just take heed of James's words that we're about to read. And my greatest relation, uh, regret relationally probably would have been avoided if I just listened to these powerful words that James wrote nearly 2,000 years ago. And if you're not a follower of Christ, if you're kind of skeptical about the whole faith thing, you're just here, you're kind of exploring, and you say, well, I don't know, if I, you know, I don't know how to read the Bible if even I want to read the Bible. Let me just say, James is a great place to start. I, I always say start in the Gospel of John, which is also a good place. But James, man, whether you're Christian or not, this stuff is so good. It's so applicable. James is just so practical. And this is what he says, starting in, in, in James chapter 3. I'm kind of just going to go through it line by line, if that's okay. If you've got a Bible, you can follow along. Otherwise, the words will be on the screen. But James starts like this. He says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. I mean, that, that's pretty obvious. Can't really argue with that. We all make many mistakes. But then listen to the next line, because the next line is kind of the thesis. For everything that follows, he says this, For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. James, what do you mean by being perfect? Well, he says, if we could do that, we could also control ourselves in every other way. In some versions, it says, if we control our tongues, we would be able to keep our entire bodies in check. I love that. In other words, gain control of your mouth, gain control of your words, and you will keep your entire body out of trouble. Hello? I mean, this is this is powerful stuff. And you say, "Okay, James, can you give us some examples? Can you give us some evidence? And James says, absolutely. And he begins to give kind of illustrations of things that would have made sense to the listeners, the people that he was writing to, speaking to. They would have immediately understood these analogies. He says this, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Any horse people in the room? <laughs> I don't really. I haven't had much experience with horses, but I have led a horse by the bit before. And it's quite incredible that such a small little piece in the mouth of a horse can really direct the entire creature. James says, okay, let me give you another example. Let's talk about ships. And a small rudder, he says, makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. I mean, you've got to understand, ships were pretty much the biggest thing, the grandest thing that human beings could build at that time, other than, uh, than buildings. And he says, even though they're so large... And even though the winds are strong, even though the winds are strong, this little rudder can help the pilot decide where he wants to go. I just want to pause for a minute here because I really get a sense. Some of you uh, might be sitting here in this room or maybe watching online, and maybe you feel like the winds are strong. Maybe you, you feel like you've got some headwinds. Maybe you feel like you're in the midst of a storm, that you're being tossed to and fro. And I'm telling you, the words we speak in the storm matter. They really do. Jesus calmed the storm with just two words. The words you speak over your life over your illness, over your circumstance, over your situation, over your kids, over your marriage, over your business. The words you speak in the storm and in the winds, they matter. And words of kindness, and words of grace, and words of forgiveness, and of faith, and of courage, and of hope, like the tiny rudder of a ship, will help you to get wherever it is that you're going. Even though, say even though, even though the winds are strong. James' point is pretty obvious. Small part, big influence. Small part, big influence. I mean, if you think about the bridle of, a, of, a, of, a, of a, the bit in a horse's mouth or the rudder of a ship, it's, it's proportionally, it's significantly smaller than the entire object. And yet it has the power to direct the entire object. And as James would argue, it has the power to direct your entire life. This is what he says. In the same way, just like the horse, just like the ship, in the same way, the tongue. This little thing in our mouths. Think about that for a while. I mean, the tongue is kind of a weird thing, right? I mean, it's pretty ugly. Um, we, we generally keep it in our mouths. We, 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 don't, we tell our kids, stop. you know, don't stick your tongue out. It's, a, it's only about four inches long. Some of you have like freakishly long ones. You can touch your nose and stuff. But for the most part, it's four inches long. It's got eight muscles in it. And I found this super interesting as I was researching this. And, and, and again, this is all part of a series that we heard at North Point that kind of inspired us and hopefully will inspire you. But, but, but Andy Sandy says, you know, that the, the eight muscles in your tongue, science will tell us, never actually get tired. <laughs> Some of you know that already. <laughs> you're like, oh, I know that, yeah, yeah. Um, I know some people who, uh, you know, you know like we need to get our 10,000 steps on vitality, you know, like we're putting it, we're strapping it on our dog, we're doing all kinds of things, to get that smoothie. I know some people who it feels like they need to get their 10,000 words per day, right? I'm like, just get that woman a smoothie, you know what I mean? But our tongue never gets tired. Every other muscle group in our body gets tired, but not the tongue, James says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. In other words, the tongue is incredibly influential. It is incredibly powerful. Your tongues control the direction and the quality and the destiny of your life. He says, okay, you need some more illustrations. Here we go. I'm not done. James says, think about this. A tiny spark can set a great Forest on fire. I'm not sure how many of you have ever seen a forest fire. When I was very young, I think I was about six years old, uh, we, my uncle lives on a farm in Worcester, wine farm, and my cousins and I were, were were building a fort out in the forest and we were trying to build a fire. And before we knew what we were doing, we burnt down half the farm. Maybe you've seen pictures or you've been in, around in Cape Town when the fires have been raging across the, the, the southern Point there. Maybe maybe you've seen the pictures of California just devastated. I mean, it's incredible in a matter of minutes that billions and millions and millions of dollars can be of damage and destruction all because of a small little flame. Small part, big influence. Isn't it incredible that that's, this little thing can burn down and cause so much destruction? And James says, In the same way, in the same way, our tongue. It's such a powerful illustration. He goes on, he says this, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. James is saying your tongue, your mouth, your words has the potential for unlimited damage, unlimited evil. Now, as we're going to see next week, don't miss next week. Next week, it also has the potential for endless good to bring life and to bring healing and to bring hope. But for today, James is focused on the negative. He wants us to sit in this reality. He wants us to feel the weight that our words carry for us to understand the magnitude of the power that we have for, for, for good and for harm. Think about this. Every kind of evil can be initiated by words. By the tongue. A divorce can be initiated with words. Murder can be initiated because of an argument. Wars have been started over words. And we all have a story. I mean, it doesn't take long for, us to, for a story to come to mind of how our mouths didn't just get us in trouble. Our mouths got our whole, didn't just get our mouths in trouble. Our mouths got our whole lives in trouble, <laughs> That's kind of James' point. I mean, when your child is back-chatting you or mouthing off, you don't put the the mouth in timeout, right? You put the whole child in timeout. You you, you don't divorce a mouth, you divorce an entire person. You don't fire a mouth, you fire a whole person. That's James' point. That our mouths have the potential to get the entire body in trouble. Because your words determine the direction and the destination of your entire body, your entire life. James says your tongue can, be, can corrupt your whole body. And he keeps going with this fire imagery. He says, you have the potential, I have the potential to burn down our relationships with our words, to burn down our marriages, to burn down our, our, our businesses, to burn down our careers, to burn down our futures with our words. And I know this is tough to hear, but it is absolutely true. Some of us have scorched the people we love the most In our worlds With our words. I know I have. I mean just this week. Jess had to go now to, to get the kids. But just this week. I mean I'm preparing this message. I know it's coming. And I use my words. To bring harm and not to bring good. What are we to do with this thing? So often when we're confronted. With how we've used our words for hurt. What do we do? We defend ourselves with what? More words, (laughs) right? Well, I was just being honest. Well, I was just telling it like it is. Well, you know, I was was just mad. Well, I was just drunk. Well, I didn't mean it. But the truth is, you know this, you're intelligent people. If you start a fire accidentally, you are still responsible for the fire you started. Hello? Hello? getting real quiet in here. Guys are practicing, quick to listen. <laughs> if you start a fire with your words and it's an accident, you're still responsible for the fire. And then, just as if James hasn't gone deep enough, like, come on, James, just give us a break here. When you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, James, what's going on? But James says, I'm not done. He says, I, it can set, your tongue can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Whew. James, I mean, these are not my words. These are James, the brother of Jesus' words. But let me unpack this because when he says hell here, he's not talking about an eternal place of torment. He's talking about the very source of evil. And evil, remember, is this word diabolos. It means to separate, it's the very source of division. And he, and he says that your. Your mouth is set on fire by this very source of division. He says, have you ever wondered, where did that come from? Right? The guy cuts you off. You know. (laughs) Where did that come from? Well, James says, I'll tell you where it came from. There's something inside of you. There's something inside of me. Inside of all of us. A potential for extraordinary harm. For division. For evil. James says, I'm still not done. People, he says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is untameable. Say untamable. He wants us to understand. He says, we can subdue all kinds, we can domesticate all kinds of animals, but the tongue can never be fully domesticated. There will always be an unpredictable factor to our mouths, to our words. So they must be guarded. Quick to listen. This is why that last week's message was so important. That's why he starts with this. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. You won't regret it. Still not done. He says, it is restless restless and evil, full of deadly poison. In other words, our mouth should come with a warning label. (laughs) Right? I mean, do not operate heavy machinery while using this product or whatever. This is scary for me, because not only do, do my words have such a deep impact on, on my marriage, on my children, I mean, part of my job is words. Part of my career is words. Today, standing up here with this little microphone on my cheek, I could ruin my entire career in just a very brief moment. And next week, you would all come back here, and the elders would be up here, and they would say, hey guys, remember Tom? Tom will no longer be with us. He said he's sorry, but unfortunately, he won't be back. I mean, that's the power of words. That's the poison. That's the unpredictable factor. That's the, oh my goodness, somebody needs to stand God over my mouth. And then James illustrates this. And, he, and remember, he's talking primarily to, to Christ followers, to Christians, to you and I, to many of us in this room. And he says that sometimes our tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. That's everyone. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. It's like James is saying, you guys come to church and you sing And you may even be on the worship team. You're just singing, oh, I love Jesus. How about you? You know, like. And then the minute we get to the parking lot, especially this parking lot. (laughs) The minute we get to the restaurant or we get home and we say we love God. And then we treat the people that God loves like they're not even human. And we're demeaning, and we're critical, and we're sarcastic. And James just says, hey guys, don't you think that's a little weird? Don't you think that that's a little strange? Praise and cursing out of the same mouth? And then he says this, surely my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Surely this is not right. Say, this is not Right? This should not be. This doesn't make any sense. How can someone who says they love God turn around and with the same mouth curse the people that God says he loves? That's why at Grace we say love God, love people. Because you can't really do the one without the other. God says, how can you say you love me whom you can't see when you don't even love your brother and sister whom you can see? In fact, he says, instead of coming to worship me, if you've got a problem with your brother... Go, or sister, go sort it out with them, then come and worship. Because that's actually more worship out there. Love God, love people. You can't separate these two things. Then he kind of asks these questions, sort of rhetorical questions. He says, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Of course not, James. Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. I mean, these are metaphors. These are analogies that would have made sense to to his listeners, to his audience. And of course, they would have said, James, we know this. Why are you asking these silly questions? And James is saying, I need to make a point. I want to make a point. The point is that there's something unnatural. There's something uniquely, disturbingly wrong with our mouths. And then what comes next is a complete shock. The end. James moves on (laughs) to the next topic. And you're like, whoa, 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 James. You can't just lambaste us with all this stuff. You know, our, our tongues are from the fiery pit of hell and then just move on. Where's the application? Where's the hope? Give us some suggestions. What are we to do with our untamable tongues? But he doesn't do that. He just moves on. And I think maybe, I'm just guessing here, but maybe the reason is because Because there is no once and for all solution. We get uncomfortable there, but James wants us to sit in that space and recognize this is not something you just get sorted once and for all or figure out when you get to a certain age or when you've been a Christian for long enough. It's a constant thing, a constant potential for great good, as we're going to see next week, and a constant potential for extraordinary evil. The tongue, your words, determine the direction and the quality of your life the direction and the quality of your marriage, the direction and the quality of your relationship with your children or with your roommate or with the people you work with or work for. James is saying, guys, this is a really big deal and you're never safe. It's a constant thing that needs to be guarded. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. So what do we do now? I was kind of tempted, to be honest, to just say, well, James doesn't give us the answer, so I'm not going to either. Go well. Be blessed. See you next week. Good luck <laughs> out there with these tongues of yours. But, but, but I don't want to do that. I, I want to leave you with just three ideas, three words today, just kind of real short ideas. On, and I think these words will hopefully set us up for next week. Really, you don't want to miss next week. My wife, Jess, will be here, and she's going to be preaching on, on the power of, of, our, of our tongues to build up, to, to build life to bring strength and hope. But, but before we get there, I think these words will hopefully set that up and hopefully will a, kind of give you some hope, hope that while you can't always tame the tongue, it can be managed, it can be guarded against. So I wanna give you these three words. The three words are real simple. Remember, surrender, confess. Remember, surrender, Confess. James' point is this, remember the power that you have, that I have. Some of you, I I don't really know if you feel this or believe this, but it's true. You are a very powerful person. You are a very powerful person for a number of reasons. Because God has placed something inside of you and you've been created in His image with a destiny and a purpose. And He's prepared good works for you to do. But even just aside from that, you are a powerful person because you can wield words. And words are the most powerful thing that a person can wield. And so remember that. Remember that every single time you open your mouth, especially when you're angry, especially when you're wound up, especially when you're frustrated or you're feeling hurt or you're feeling cornered, at any moment, just remember your potential for good and your potential for evil. It's really unlimited. And so remember, the second thing is surrender. This comes out of the fact that, hey, if this is such a big deal, if our words have the power to burn down uh, the the relationships closest to us, and some of us maybe have been scorched by other people's words, and so we've developed bad habits in terms of how we respond to those words, then we need to surrender. Surrender. Our wounds, we need to surrender this formidable weapon to our heavenly Father. How do we do that? In Romans chapter 12, Paul, the apostle Paul writes these incredible words. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You see, worship is far more than just singing songs on a Sunday. Worship is an attitude. Worship is a lifestyle. It's a posture of the heart. It says I'm bringing all of myself to God. And I'll just say, I'm the first to admit, I'm not one of these guys who's just like, you know, wakes up every morning on my knees and has, you know, half an hour of quiet time, whatever. I, I, I know Dudley's like that. I've, just, I've never really found that rhythm, but I, do, I am very intentional about carving out some space every single day to to reflect on Scripture, to to spend time with God, to to pray. Maybe if it's just worshiping in my car or listening to the audio Bible, whatever that is. But but I just thought, imagine if if we just prayed every morning this prayer that says, God, I offer my body as a living sacrifice. Imagine if we said, God, I give you you my hands. I don't want to use my hands to take. I want to use my hands to serve. One of the lines that stood out for me from the Global Leadership Summit yesterday was the guy said, I don't want to be a bang the the table type of leader. I want to be a set the table kind of leader. What are we using our hands for? God, I give you my feet. I want to go wherever you're directing me. I want to go to where you're already at work. I give you my feet. God, I give you, I surrender my eyes. What am I looking at? Lord, help me not to look with jealousy, not to look with lust. What websites am I going on? God, I surrender my eyes. I want to see people through your eyes. God, I surrender my ears. What am I listening to? Am I listening to gossip or slander? What am I listening to? Because what we listen to eventually gets inside of us, doesn't it? And of course, I surrender my mouth. Because Heavenly Father, no matter how old I get, no matter how mature I am as a believer, regardless of how many prayers I've prayed or Bible verses that I've memorized, I know James is right. The volatility never goes away. And in fact, the more influence I have, the more potential I have for good and for harm. I surrender. I offer my body as a living sacrifice. Now, Maybe you're not that type of person who does, you know, a morning prayer every morning, whatever. But can, can I just invite you, can I just submit for your consideration that maybe uh, every morning, or maybe just every morning this week, you would wake up and pray a simple prayer that goes something like this. Heavenly Father, remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Amen. It's Just real simple. Can we, can we maybe do that? Maybe we could say that out loud together. I know you don't always like doing that, but let's say that as, a, as kind of a, a posture of, of, of surrender. Say let's, let's say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. I, imagine if we did that every morning. I mean, I think we'd, we could change our world with our words. Amen? Remember, surrender, and then finally, confess. Confess. You see, confess, this is when you mess up. This is when I mess up. And James is saying, (laughs) you're gonna mess up. This is not an if, this is a when. When you mess up, when the words come out, just immediately confess don't try explain it. Don't try to justify it. Just own the fires that you've begun with your words. Just own it. Own the scorching sarcasm that's been a habit your whole life and cut it out. Own the, the underhanded, passive-aggressive kind of, I'm fine. Just own it. Confess it immediately. Break the habit. Dads, as I said earlier, dads in the room. I don't know why, but our words are often the hottest and the heaviest. Own it. Kids, if they're children listening, listening online, if you you have a parent or you had a parent, let me just say this. Your words to your parents are the heaviest words your parents will ever hear. You don't believe that because you say, oh, it's just my mom, it's just my dad, it's just my grandpa. There's no such thing as just. Regardless of your age, your words matter to your parents more than you realize. Ladies, we guys, we look tough on the outside. We think we, you know, we look like we can take anything. We laugh when we're criticized. In the South African context, often, you know, South African men will, will chirp each other. It's like our love language, you know. But don't be fooled. Our, ego, our egos are fragile. A lot of us were just little boys inside grown-up bodies. <laughs> be kind. Be gentle. And men, come on, men. Honor women with your words. Honor the woman in your life. Honor the woman at work. Honor the woman you come into contact with. Just decide, I'm going to honor women. I'm in the presence of women, and I'm going to honor women when there are no women around. That's the world you want your kids to grow up in. That's the world you want your sons and daughters and granddaughters to grow up in. I promise you. The cat calling, the chirping, the the comment, it's just got to end. It's not okay. It's not okay. And then, just the last thing for those of you who grew up in homes, or maybe you grew up in environments where words were used against you, and you've been scorched over and over and over again, and you know who you are, and you're carrying around some wounds, you're carrying around some some burn scars. For the sake of the next generation, don't repeat the cycle. Really. You will be tempted to. I will be tempted to. You'll be inclined to repeat the cycle. In fact, you've probably already heard it coming out of your mouth. I know I have. The way he spoke to me, the way they spoke to me, it's coming out. And you say, where did that come from? You know where it came from. Don't repeat the cycle. Decide that you're gonna break it. And I get a sense that God In the name of Jesus, God wants to break generational cycles and patterns right now in this room, in this place. But it starts with a decision. Remember the power you wield with your words. Surrender your mouth to God and confess when you get it wrong. Can we do that, Grace Family Church? I'll close with what I started with. Words are powerful. Today we've seen their powerful evil. Next week we'll explore their extraordinary and unlimited powerful good. Don't miss next week. But in the meantime, let's be quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Why not you stand as we close in prayer? Father, all around this room, you are at work. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit here right now, speaking, convicting, challenging, inspiring, healing, comforting. Lord, I I don't know of any other way to do this than by the help of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, you are the solution. You are the answer. I don't think we can do this without you. So fill us afresh, we pray, with your spirit. Empower us. Help us to be quick to listen and slow to speak, to use our words for good and not for harm. Jesus, you are the example. For 30 years, you remained silent. You were born into this world as, a, as one who could not speak. In 30 years, you listened and you loved and you cared and then you began to speak and people flocked because they felt heard they felt understood. So help us to be like you, quick to listen and slow to speak. And just before any of us leave this room this morning, God, I just have a sense. I want i, I want to pray for every single person in this room. And you know who you are who have been burned, who have been scorched by words that have been spoken to them or over them or about them. And lies have begun to be believed, lies about who you are, or who you're supposed to be, or what they said about you, and Lord, I just pray now in the name of Jesus that you would break those lies over people's lives, and that we as a a body, we would begin to believe your word, your truth, which says that we are created in your image, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High King, that we have worth and value. That we are your masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus. We thank you for that truth. Help us to hold on to that truth. And out of that overflow, may we speak words of life and grace to those around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Before you go, if you need prayer, we would love to pray for you. We have a team of people up front who'd love to just connect with you and pray for you. Otherwise, come see me for Engage One. Have a great week. Uh, Don't miss next time.